0: The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McEachan and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. How do you do? I'm Ben McKeckin. And I'm
1: his Centarian friend, Mark Hadley. Welcome to episode 101, the big picture for the week beginning April 3. And coming up on today's show... Something for the young and young at heart, the Boss Baby and Dance Academy. And we can finally reveal who are Hollywood's most inspiring teachers and the top five high school moments that I wished happened to me. The top five high school moments you wished happened to you? That top five will be hard to forget. (laughs) (laughs) Believe
0: me, there's going to be a lot of counselling after this. <laughs> G'day, Sam. Hello, men. Oh, hey, how are you,
2: 101? <laughs> Thank you very oh. much.
0: We should have another celebratory show because we're 101. Why not? Last Maybe, week was oh. so wild. Maybe every show should just be a wild celebratory show. Well, it will be
2: wow. with what we've got lined up today. But I want to get to what's happening on the big screen. Ben McKagan.
0: This week, mate, what opened at the cinemas last Thursday was the Lego Batman movie, which Mark talked about on last week's celebratory show. Mm. If you go to the dot you can f- uh, hear all about what Mark thought of the Lego Batman movie. But in short, pretty much awesome. That was the uh, one-word review for Mark. Awesome. Also, gentlemen, opened at uh, cinemas last Thursday, which I know you're in t- completely aware of. Probably more than the Lego Batman movie. You were hanging out for this film, the third in the Smurfs movie oh, series. The lines uh, that went up the street. <laughs> oh, they were queuing around the block. Smurfs' <laughs> Lost Village, which stars uh, the voice of Demi Lovato as Smurfette, 30 Rock's Jack B- McBrayer as Clumsy, and The Officer's Rain Wilson as none other than-, than Gargamel. But this one's not set in the real world, friends. No, this is just an animated... S- well, not really a sequel... It's an origin story. <laughs> the sure Smurf, it is. Origin so we've had Logan and the other Wolverine movies. Now we have Smurf Origins. If they explain why
2: there's only one female Smurf, I'll pay to see that film. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny if they do that. Go
1: and check it out. All
2: right. What's happening on the telly,
1: Mark Hadley? Hey, one of my favourite seasons, uh, sorry, series is returning for season five. Have you guys seen The Checkout? No. Oh, you've got to yes, I have. Yeah, yes. It's, basically, uh, it's coming back this Thursday, 6th of April at 8pm on the ABC. The Checkout's the ABC's factual consumer affairs series, which basically tells you your rights in certain sort of consumer situations. You go into a store and they say, I'm sorry, we can't exchange it. You go,
0: oh, yes, you can. Is it from the team that's behind the chaser? That's right. Yes. You know,
1: So it's bu- it's got a bunch of those guys who are on the chaser in it. It's also, for that reason, very no-holds-barred, irreverent, sort of entertaining approach to the subject. So it's not boring Anyway, but the only thing I wish that they would issue is a card saying something like, no, the checkout says no or something just because every time I go to the store and I, I know that, that my rights are being infringed, I don't quite remember what to say. So I was just standing there going, I should just say
0: no. If A only you had car. someone from the show with you, Mark. That would be good.
1: And also, uh, this week, the documentary I Dream of Wires. Whoa, well, okay. what? Now, <laughs> this is on Netflix, Tuesday, 4th of March. Um, it looks at the history of modular synthesizers. Ah, oh, cool. If you ever wondered where those things came from and their impact on modern sound, this is the special for you. It features interviews with music gurus. Now, I had to write music gurus in here because I do not know
0: these guys' names. But anyway, Trent Reznor. Oh, yeah,
2: from Trent Reznor. Mate, you from, don't know who Trent Reznor is? From
0: Nine Inch Nails, but more recently, he's done a lot of scores for movies by David Fincher, like *Social Network* mm. and other movies like that. Lots of scores in the in recent films. Then you'll also know about Gary Newman, yes, yes. from some sort of seventies like kind of synthesizer band. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars, that's his song. That's his song. You are two for two, and I do nothing. <laughs> anyway, but the
1: documentary focuses on exploring the passions, obsessions, and dreams of those who are smitten with electronica. Uh, and if you like music to sound like... Well, pretty much every other piece of music, you'll, <laughs> oh. love. you'll
0: love this. So go see this uh, this coming week. All right. And what about some entertainment news? I just mentioned, gentlemen, The Office. Uh, Rain Wilson, one of the stars of The American Office, doing a voice in the new Smurfs movie. And other Office news, Steve Carell and Amy Ryan. Uh, if you remember some of the later series of The American Office, Amy Ryan was the love interest to Steve Carell's character in The Office. Steve Carell and Amy Ryan, this actress and actor, are teaming up again for a film of a much different sort called Beautiful Boy. It's a drug addiction drama. So, it's hardly a comedy. Instead, is this
1: another one of like Steve Carell's serious roles. Sort of yeah, yeah, he does them really well.
0: And, it, mm. and yes, he yes he can. So we'll we'll see if this one turns out to be so. I'm not sure exactly when it's coming. Amazon Studios is behind it. It's based on a real life story, a father's memoir of dealing with his son's um, like descent into drug addiction and how he and his ex wife helped out his son. That's who uh, Steve Carell and Amy Ryan will be playing in Beautiful Boy, which will be coming out in the next couple of years. Right. Well, I I mean, that is epic, but nowhere
1: near as epic as what I'm about to announce on the show. Please, if you're standing and listening to the radio right now, sit (laughs) down, okay? Because Mariah Carey's classic Christmas (laughs) tune, All I Want for Christmas Is You. Great song is getting a new variation in 2017. The 46-year-old singer announced that her beloved holiday song, which has been used in several films and most famously, Love Actually, is becoming an animated movie. An animated nice. movie? Nice. All I want for Christmas is you will be the an movie. animated the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, Carrie actually spilled the big news whilst clad in festive red plaid pyjamas as she reclined <laughs> on a couch. In front of a Christmas tree, the woman is a marketing genius. <laughs> I, and her quote, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. And so this is what she said as she was announcing it and later tweeted it. Honestly, what she needs probably is just a big fat check for royalty. So yeah. you know, that's obviously what's in the play here. I, I do not know what the storyline for this is going to be, but I suspect it'll have something to do with festive season.
2: And the song is so old, <laughs> too. It's
1: not even a new one. Oh, Crazy. That, excuse, that's ages of... Don't hold that against that song. All right. We are 101 now. Uh, Let's move on to true or false. Right. Well, there have been many great dance films throughout history, like Singing in the Rain and Chicago, Fame, Breakdance. Breakdance two, electric, <laughs> electric boogaloo. boogaloo. Let's not lose <laughs> that <Great laughs> sequel. Quacker. And later in the show, we're going to be talking about Dance Academy. But probably there's no film more popular than the 1984 classic about small town America and devilish rock and roll footloose. Oh yeah, the okay. ultimate
0: dance movie. There you go.
1: So the film that rocketed a dance stomping Kevin Bacon to stardom. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about we talk about a fact about that? So what did Kevin Bacon reveal during a 2013 interview about Footloose? So I'm going to give you three options. you're listening in, what did he actually reveal? A, that Tom Cruise was actually slated to play the lead because casting directors were Mm. impressed with his dancing from risky business, but (laughs) an ankle injury got in the way. Or Mm. B, that Bacon has actually tipped DJs at weddings not to play Footloose on account (laughs) of the fact that guests keep expecting him to dance the same way as the film. I would definitely expect that. <laughs> <laughs> or see that Kevin could not achieve all of the dance moves in the actual film and had to be replaced by a stunt double, a dance double, and two gymnastics doubles. But he managed to keep all the smile shots for himself. Ah. Well, uh. hang around. If you like the idea of trying to work out what Kevin Bacon actually had to do or say or be, then uh, after the next review, we'll tell you all about it. Let's get into it.
2: Who is the boss in your house? Well, if you ask anyone with a child, perhaps a baby even, they might look at the pram and roll their eyes. And that's the observation at the heart of the new animated comedy that we're taking a look at this week in our regular segment, What Your Kids Are Watching. The Boss Baby stars Alec Baldwin as a baby, who can not only speak, but he's also been to business school. He arrives as something of a shock to his older brother Tim, who thought he'd have his parents all to himself for the rest of his life and now he has to contend with a chubby nemesis with a secret plan to put babies back on
3: top.
4: The Templeton's <laughs> were making plans for their newest addition.
3: What the damn? Meet your new brother. But this baby has other plans.
4: We babies are having a crisis. Babies aren't getting as much love as we used to. Behold our mortal enemy, puppies. Oh No, that's exactly the problem.
1: Tim is seven and a half, and he has the perfect life. Two whole parents all sort of the attention focused on him and he lives an imaginative life where his parents figure in all of these made up storylines, and whatever happens seems to happen well for him until of course his parents one day bring home the next child like the baby has arrived and the baby is pictured in his mind like through his fantasies okay so you know that Tim's having fantasies through this film and he's seeing the baby a certain way uh, but the baby is this nemesis you know who's out to get him who's going to change everything and even as Tim's strives to try and reveal to his parents that the baby can talk and the baby has a master plan. It seems the boss baby has something that he fears as well. And that's pretty much where the plot starts to
0: unravel. Mm. Please let me speak for all parents out there. When I say... The premise of this film seems pretty weak. It seems to be just distilled down to the baby talks. Now, before parents get dragged along to the movie about the baby talks, can you let let them and us know, does it go any further than the baby talks? Does it need to go further? I mean, let's let's face it. I know, clearly I've got the problem, that's right. Don't mess with perfection, I mean, you know, like... The Hollywood
1: has actually run this one into the ground with things that actually talk that possibly shouldn't be talking like look who's talking
0: Yeah, look who's yeah. talking
1: to <laughs> Hollywood even made some spurious things from the unusual talkers like the Shaggy DA all the way through to Beauty and the Beast it's, Shaggy DA, was that like a talking dog movie? Yeah, I want to take you all the way back to the <laughs> 70s for that one, but oh, Beauty and the Beast is the same, like you know there's always a bit of a gimmick with things that shouldn't be talking are talking You know, so okay, but thankfully though Boss Baby does go further than that I, I was thinking oh gosh if we got two hours of well, 90 minutes in this case you know of just a baby talking and no one being able to catch the baby talking but that's really only the first 20 minutes of the film um what actually happens is that uh they he reveals that babies uh like the boss baby reveals that, that babies are under threat because human beings are valuing things more than babies and before you know it, there's actually this kind of quasi-serious plot going on about the fact that families or you know adults are just not valuing uh, kids as much as they used to. That birth rates and such are down, and, and babies are unloved. And I mean, it's amazing, and just to put this in a cartoon and still keep the jokes going. Uh, and then uh, you find out who the real nemesis is. Puppies. Puppies <laughs> are, are really Puppies. Are taking over the world. You know, and it would be their cute factor and babies are under threat. So,
0: so. Th- so there's a serious message coming out of the boss baby that we've got to make room for others. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think it's really good. It's the first time... <laughs> Tim uh, realizes that it's actually in his interest to help. Over, you know, help babies. Uh, initially, he just wants to get rid of his. There's a deal. If he if he helps the babies out, he'll get rid of his little brother, and life will return to normal with his mum and dad all to himself. But soon he realizes that he's actually worth giving up you know, things because he enjoys his brother's company and a larger family is actually a better thing than just a single-child situation, which is no mm. reflection, I think. I don't think they go out to say, look, single-child families are, you know, awful or anything. What they basically go is that a family uh, is not a bad thing, you know, and that's really kind of serious because in a world where, you know, like Australia's birth rate is actually under two, so we're, I think we're 1.7, you know, children per couple, we're actually under replacement rate and that's often what you would call in the standard case for many western nations the concept of having more than one child uh, is is associated with making your life too difficult and but and boss baby goes the other way on that
2: so why is this such a threat why can't we have all the babies and all the puppies and yeah, just live in a baby. happy world where you know the internet loves these things why
1: can't we have both <laughs> Uh, well the, there's a really interesting idea that they put across in the film. I love this. Um, it's called zero sum theory. Okay? So if, if, the boss know, baby <laughs> has zero
0: sum theory. It, it's yeah. Monday it's like night's the thinking person's movie of the year. Now, now
1: that we've made now that we've made Monday nights we can get serious people. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Mucking around on Sundays like we used to. But look, zero sum theory is just this idea that if I have more, you have to have less. You know, and the, Bi- the Bible is really quite opposed to this idea because uh, in Boss Baby, they talk about it in terms of love. If you have more love, Tim, I'm going to have less or vice versa, you know, uh, and that the, the- the Boss Baby sort of uh, film gets at the idea that love is actually an infin- in infinite supply. Now, it never goes as far as to say why it's an infinite supply. I mean, because Christians know that because it's a reflection of God's character and God is himself infinite, there is always more love to offer. Boss Baby doesn't get that far, but at least it goes as far as to say just because you have something doesn't mean I have to have less. And I think that's a great thing to put kids in front of.
2: All right. The Boss Baby stars Alec Baldwin, Miles Christopher, and Steve Buscemi. It's rated G for very mild themes. Must be if it's G rated, and is currently anywhere you can find a cinema screen that's showing it. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, good one. Right. So basically, <laughs> let's get back to True and False now. A little earlier, I posed the question: What did Kevin Bacon reveal about the truth about behind Footloose? Was it a that Tom Cruise was actually slated to play the lead, and only an ankle injury sort of knocked him out? Was it that Bacon actually tips DJs at? not to play Footloose because he's tired of doing the dance routine? Or is it because that Kevin could not achieve all the dance moves and had to have a stack of people to
0: stand in for him? My heart says B. I really want it to be B. I've got no idea. Tell it us. is in
1: fact B. Um, oh, he, yes. he regularly tips people not <laughs> to play the film because people are expecting him every time it plays. You know, everyone draws like, oh, Kevin, get up. And the man's getting old. He's such a party pooper, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> he's,
0: he's, Come on, man, just do it again. Just dance, Bacon,
1: dance. <laughs> I don't believe he can pull off that whole sort of teen thing in his 50s. Well, he
0: shouldn't have been in the original. Yeah. If he's not going to perform for the people. Oh, sorry, Tom I'm gonna, oh, could oh, do I need it. to stop. I'm too angry at Kevin Bacon <laughs> now. <laughs>
2: Let's calm things down. We're going to go to a break. (laughs) And after the break, we're going to be talking about the other most famous Talking Baby movie and a surprising new TV show that has got everyone
0: talking. Welcome back to The Big Picture. So just before the break, Mark was talking about the new movie, The Boss Baby. Boss Baby. And that new movie isn't nearly as famous yet as another Talking Baby movie from 1989, Look Who's Talking. And in honour of that classic, our soundtrack choice for this week comes straight from that giant of 80s comedy. Of course, that is the BG, staying Alive. And yes, it wasn't originally found in Look Who's Talking. It was initially in the film Saturday Night Fever that also starred John Travolta. John Travolta is one of the adults in Look Who's Talking. He must have like lobbied for this song maybe to be on the soundtrack. But maybe it's an in-joke by the producer. Maybe, maybe something like unusual. that. That's right. John Travolta's in this and so was Kirstie Alley, who was big back in the 80s, but not so much now. But what's most memorable, I think, about Look Who's Talking is it featured Bruce Willis as the voice of a baby. Bruce Willis, the voice of a baby. One year after he made Die Hard and his, and his international star was on the rise, he did the voice of a baby. He thought he could do anything. He thought he could do anything. He took on the role of a talking baby. Uh, the film was a surprise hit. hit about $150 million in the States. It was Travolta's biggest hit since Grease, another movie musical that he was in, and that was 11 years earlier. And also, the film inspired a couple of sequels and a TV V spin-off that Who's the Boss star, Tony Danza, was in as well, doing the voice of the baby.
2: Now, I'm sure you can relate to this situation. Uh, You're on the couch. It's a Friday night. You've watched one TV program. It's ended. But due to laziness, you just don't get up to change the channel.
1: (laughs) We've all been there, right? Yeah, well, that's what I, happened that's to- why I have multiple remotes <laughs> <laughs> around the room <laughs>
2: Well this is what happened to Ben a few Fridays ago When a new ABC program turned up after the 7 o'clock news Hosted by Stan Grant It's called The Link And it turned out to be a much uh, surprising program About matters of everyday importance That Ben has to tell us all about it
4: The revolution starts
3: here
1: We live in a fast world information at our fingertips. You are fake news. We lead busy lives. No wonder it can be hard to keep up. Who represents what what you're interested in and and your values? I really want to have a voice. Immigration, is, is that a big issue in a place like this? Each week, the link will take the stories we're all talking about and explain what it means for you. It kind of sounds current affairs, but I don't really know anything about the link. What is it?
0: Mate, that's how myself and my wife on a lazy Friday night uh, found ourselves thinking exactly the same thing. What is this thing? Uh, Stan Grant recently showed up on ABC uh, hosting the 7.30 report sometimes, which is usually on at 7.30, but then this new show, The Link turned up and it's such a naff title it almost made me want to turn off straight away the link and it seems very like 1991 or something like that but (laughs) the aim of it is clear and it does fit in with the show that what they're trying to do is link topics of interest that are in the news or just in general but they're kind of permeating through society at the moment they want to link that with everyday people and interview them and get everyday people's thoughts from across Australia on what these issues are about and what matters to them and the first episode was so kind of interesting and engaging that we've watched every week thereafter and so we haven't just been watching out of laziness we've actually been intentionally now sticking around around 7 30 to watch planning your evenings. we're planning our evenings. (laughs) we're not streaming we're not going to on-demand services we're actually sitting in front of a program that's being aired at a particular time because we're really into it it's like
1: the 90s all over again
0: (laughs) it's amazing um one of the things that showed up on the first episode were bushfire survivors and people rebuilding their homes Um, some um, interviews with people in a shopping mall about uh, some issues that were like really affecting them at the moment and people were talking about everything from how they felt about pauline hansen to their own particular faith and religious beliefs and then across the last couple of shows stan grant and other people in the show have interviewed everyone from a divorce lawyer and her faith in people to a guy who works for a mine but he's opposing the mine's expansion He's interviewed young priests about why they're going to the priesthood and even he went to Wagga the other week and talked to locals and also people that have moved to Wagga and talk to them about housing affordability. Is is this, um, like I'm,
1: I'm sensing a lot of spiritual
0: content. Is it Mate, a Christian program? The, this this is the thing, like one one thing that jumped out to Amy and I as we were watching it is there was so much Christian or Christian related stuff in this that it like we kept watching. One of the reasons we kept watching is like, is there going to be more of this? Because in the first five minutes of the first episode, this is a couple of weeks ago, a guy was asked in a shopping mall what is the most important thing to him and he said point blank to the camera Jesus Christ is the most important Mm. thing in my life. I know that's not cool. I know not everyone thinks that. But that's what's important to me. And they aired that. I can't believe they didn't edit that out. They aired that. The ABC
1: is usually kind of pretty scrupulous about being so fair it's not going to mention anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. But look, to answer your question, no, I don't think The Link is a Christian program. I'm not trying to uh, talk here on the big picture and say it's definitely a Christian program. The ABC has got behind this Christian program and they're trying to put Christian things across. However... It's almost like people involved with the show are Christian or at least sympathetic to Christianity. Or maybe it's just that things that are being raised on the show are so linked in with what Christians think about and talk about that it's bubbling up through the show. But the second show was prompted by this guy who was interviewed in the first program about his faith in Jesus. They got The people behind the link got such feedback about this bloke and what he said that the second show was entirely devoted to faith. And what Whoa. people think about when they talk about faith. And so Stan Grant was in Parramatta walking around asking people, what do you think of when you think of faith? This is an amazing TV show, I think, in 2017, when it often seems like you can't, you can't talk about, particularly faith, particularly things of Christ- Christianity, let alone other religions, hmm. stuff that comes from a belief system. It almost feels like you can't do it. And here's this show, The Link on a Friday night at 7.30, that's doing it to your face yeah. and going out and asking people what they think. Gosh, this is something worth watching. Yeah, like, I like. You might tell how enthusiastic I am about it. It's not. No, it's not, no, I hadn't
1: picked that up. It's not.
0: <laughs> look, it's not. It's not amazing. It's. It. Uh, some of the interviews are a bit tenuous. So they've. They often do a themed program, but some of the interviews they've got, they've clearly shoehorned it into the show. They've done an interview, and they're like, "Oh, how are we going to get this into this show? Oh, it's got some vague link to faith. Here we go," and that feels a little bit stretched. Stan Grant gets a has a really good rapport with people, but some of his interview style can get a bit rambly and a bit not quite to the point. But with those kind of minor considerations, like to the side, The Link is a really cool show to watch about what people think. Rambly and not quite to the point. Who, pre- who could ever be accused of that, Ben McKeck? <laughs> <laughs> so you're a big fan of this show, Ben.
2: That's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's gonna have an impact just hearing the voices of everyday Australians?
0: Look, I think I think it could have, like clearly it's had an impact on me. And one of the things, especially I'm going back to this guy who talked about like Jesus Christ being the most important thing in his life, he said that on camera, knowing it was going to be aired on national television and it got me thinking just from that one there's like a 30 second clip on a tv show got me thinking about um how i go how i go about talking about who i am what i what matters to me um the everyday things the way issues impact me and how i go about sharing that just seeing that guy was enough to encourage me to think differently about how i would go about talking about what actually matters to me and the way i would present that to people so for, for me and from the, the beliefs that I come from, it was very encouraging just seeing that guy do, do that. But for if anyone who, like whether they share Christian values or they don't, mm. whether they believe in Jesus or they don't, I think, yeah, the link could impact people thinking that, um, not just that you can get a platform for a voice, like, oh, you know, I want to show up and be on the link and let people know what I think. But I think what the link can do is demonstrate to people that it is important what Everyone thinks, not just like someone who's got a column in a newspaper or a really big blog or a show like The Big Picture. Like, it's not just about people who have got this platform. It is important to understand, to go to where people are at and ask them what they Mm. think about things. And the link is genuinely, I think, trying to do that. Wow.
2: Well, The Link airs a new episode every Friday night on ABC from 7.30pm, and Ben will be watching on his couch. Not Uh, our laziness. No. Uh, It's available to watch also over on iView anytime you like, but episodes do expire, so keep that in mind.
1: Okay, and in a similar vein to the link, Eternity News also reports on all kinds of topics to do with everyday people and their Mm -hmm. passions. I figured we might actually highlight a couple of articles. There's some stuff that you really should see at eternitynews.com.au. Baby Boomers Encouraged to Work, I think is well worth your attention. Should people just put their feet up after retirement, spend more time on that couch, or (laughs) is there more they can do to serve those people around them? So Eternity talks to older people about getting out there for others in their retirement. And another article, Street Preachers Want to Talk to you that street preachers sometimes i've got to admit even as a christian i worry and i think to myself oh, "This is a bit cringy but tess holgate follows a few christians in brisbane who in the middle of the D- cbd try to start up conversations with people about jesus and what that actually looks like in practice eternitynews.com.au well coming up
2: on the big picture dance 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 so we're gonna dance we're, we're, we're maybe down. we're not gonna dance but stick around <laughs> for our interview with dance academy's Uh, Alicia Benite, and also we'll let you know if Dance Academy is a toe tapping good time. Welcome back. Well, being school holiday season, there's plenty on offer at the movies for the young ones, including The Boss Baby, as we talked about earlier. And uh, one of these options is Australian film Dance Academy. It's the final movie-length chapter of a much-loved ABC TV series that ran from 2010 to 2013. I'll share my thoughts on the movie in a moment, but for our press record segment this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with one of the stars of the film, Alicia Beneat, who has also starred in Neighbours and Summer Heights High. I asked Alicia about uh, playing ambitious dancer-turned-actor Katrina Karamakov and how hard it is to overcome obstacles to achieve your dreams. All right, we're speaking with Alicia Bannett from uh, the Dance Academy Film, and she joins me on the line. How are you going, Alicia?
3: I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. How are
2: you? Oh, going well. Now, for this film, your character Kat uh, has become a TV star in New York City, really living the life uh, yeah. You're actually, you know, in this movie, uh, the character, sorry, is an actor more than a dancer. Were you happy to be more, doing more acting than dancing in this film?
3: Honestly, I think it's it's both dancing and acting are complete and utter passions. I've been doing them my entire life. So, um, you know, I, I was going to love it regardless. Obviously, the fact that I was dancing and acting um, at the same time during the series was, was a dream and a half. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of turned into, um, I guess, art imitating life or life imitating art. I can't choose because it's basically been my life. Um, I used to be more of a dancer than I than I was an actor and I guess now my life has kind of turned into more of being an actor than a dancer and that's Cat's life now as well. So um, it was kind of special I guess to bring my parts of life into into Cat as well.
2: There's a lot in this movie about uh, overcoming obstacles in order to achieve your dreams and I'm guessing that surely as an actor and dancer You've kind of gone through that yourself, is that is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I think the entertainment industry, whether you're a, a singer, a dancer, an actor, um, any any of those things, or even you know artists as well, um, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of stuff why um, you know a lot of reasons why you could not be getting work, and the majority of them have got nothing to do with um, how good you are or 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 who you are. It's the tiniest the tiniest little weird things and 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 there's a lot of rejection for sure so um yeah there's always going to be obstacles in life and i think that's why um we've got such a large fan base with dance academies because it's so relatable because it's real life yeah um everyone's sort of experiencing uh, whether they're in the industry or or any other industry as well it's kind of if you have a dream there's always going to be obstacles to get where you want to be
2: Now, in this film, uh, you and uh, Xenia Goodwin, your characters, uh, Kat and Tara, you got to go to New York City uh, to do some sightseeing, and it looks like you guys, I mean, genuinely, your characters aside are having an absolute blast of a time. Is that right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, um, both of us have never been to New York before, so the fact that we got to go there for work and we got to do all the touristy sites as part of the film that was incredible and it was it kind of it just heightened the whole experience I think it was really we were extremely lucky and we're both so grateful and you know all of us all of us in the cast I think you know majority of us got to go there it was incredible it was, it's kind of indescribable I don't really have any words to <laughs> sort of say what it was like but it was yeah, where we absolutely loved it, and the locations were insane. And on top of that, it was boiling hot as well. The first day that we had filming in Times Square, I think it was 40 degrees. Um, mm. So we had, in between takes, we had little fans and stuff, the makeup artists would come over, rush over, and Start burning our faces down, so we didn't have sweat dripping down our faces. It was, um, yeah. it was really amazing.
2: Uh, your character Cat goes through a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a crisis in her fame, I guess you could say, trying to reach a whole lot of new Twitter followers and you know, keep being, you know, at the front of celebrity chatter. Yeah. Is, there, is there pressure like that as an actor for yourself? Do you find?
3: Um, I think yes and no. It's sort of, um, I guess it gets hard because you know, there's people that can by followers on on instagram and stuff like that now and it's sort of um yeah it's a bit strange i think I, I i haven't i don't think i've experienced it yet but i think i've heard of people you know getting a job over someone else because they have more followers on instagram mm-hmm. um so it is definitely something that i think is um you know it's a pressure but i feel like it's a pressure for for you know, people that also aren't actors and young people wanting more followers and more likes. And yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I, I, it's sad that sort of you know self worth is based off how many likes you get on a photo. So I sort of um, try and detach myself from caring about if I have certain amount of followers or not. For sure.
2: Thanks so much for your time, Alicia.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely speaking to you.
0: As we just heard, there's a brand new big screen edition of the Dance Academy series, which has taken a much loved and Emmy nominated ABC program for teens and reveals what happened next. A little older and perhaps wiser, the dancers have graduated from Set academy and chased their dreams in the big wide world where competition is more fierce than ever. Starring mostly the original young and emerging cast members from the TV series, plus Australian acting royalty Miranda Otto, Dance Academy shows what happens when dreams are both reached and broken so she gets into a ballet school in her final audition slips breaks her back will she ever dance again
3: you know more or less
1: your artistic director madeline
4: monker have you given any thought to reauditioning? auditioning i can never dance again tara i watch you learn to walk again
2: dance academy takes place 18 months after graduating after the 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 actors we see in this film, the cast, uh, graduate from the prestigious National Academy of Dance in Sydney, which also doubles as a senior high school. Uh, Tara Webster, played by Xenia Goodwin, has struggled to recover from an accident that took place at the end of the TV series where she slipped on a bead mid-performance, during an audition, Yonks. and landed on her back. That's ah. the way the TV series ended. Uh, it was a tragic injury, especially for a dancer, of course. That's a pretty bold ending to a TV show. It is, yeah. Mm. So we find the uh, these dancers, 18 months on, and now Tara spends her days working at the Opera House Bar, of all places, way to rub it in, right? Uh, <laughs> with dreams of perhaps getting back on stage as a ballet dancer once again. But she has to choose between filing a lawsuit... And making a million dollars over that incident, but that means she will never dance again, or giving that all up to pursue her dream of dancing. Bum, bum,
0: bum. Mm.
2: So the film follows Tara uh, working to rebuild her strength, a journey that takes her to the bright lights of New York City, all the while crossing paths with her former classmates scattered around the world pursuing their dreams.
1: Okay, Sam, I've never seen this series, and I know it's. Haven't much you? Laugh. I thought you'd be uh, clamoring for Dance Academy. <laughs> <laughs> it's my lift dancing figure that actually gives you that impression. But I, I, I mean, I, I've never seen it, but am mm. I going to get into it? I mean, I guess a lot of people might not have seen it. What do you think? Well, it was a very
2: popular series. I didn't realise this, but it aired in 180 countries right around the world. So wow. that kind of indicates this film might do well. Uh, I hadn't seen much of the series myself. And for the first part of the film, there is a lot of catching up to do. They don't explain that that slipping on the bead thing happened at the end of the TV series. I had to go on to Wikipedia to find that out. Uh, So it really does assume that you know a lot. But by the time it gets about halfway through the film, you really are on board with Tara and this uh, journey that she has to try and rebuild her strength to dance again. And uh, it does feel a bit like an epilogue to the series more than a new story or a reboot or a a beginning. And uh, I think the fact that they managed to take the action away from Sydney, which is where the TV series is set, take it to New York City gives you something where it stands alone by itself. And, um, yeah, even though I didn't know the characters as she kind of interacts with them, seeing where they've
1: come, yeah, it's a new beginning for a lot of these people overseas. It might be a new beginning, but it does sound like a very familiar theme. If you try hard enough and put in the hard yards, you'll make it. Is that yeah. what we're doing? Well, that's it. That's the, I think that's the
2: thing that drives this TV show Dance Academy because they're all in high school trying to be the best dancers that they can. And that's exactly the same here. They're out in the big wide world trying to pursue their dreams now they've all graduated. And they're all different points of seeing those dreams come to reality. And Tara, who is injured and, and, and her dream doesn't look possible, she Ask the question, who am I? Who is anyone without a dream? She actually says that in the film. So she finds herself lost in in some ways because that, that bead slip, that one moment has changed her life completely. She becomes angry at the universe, literally. She questions the universe in this film about her situation. Um, But yet we heard about Kat, the character who I spoke to the actor um, Alicia before, and she is pursuing her dreams in New York City. She's on a trashy TV show, uh, performing in front of crowds and and TV audiences, hitting fame in a big way. So you get this contrast between Tara, who's struggling to see her dream come to reality, and Kat, who's doing so well. And I guess that does bring the question of how hard do you have to work towards pursuing your dream? Mm-hmm. You know these dancers, you watch them, you think, how can they even get to the point of being like any ballet dancer? I think we take for granted the amount of hard work that goes into it. But then there are things in this question in this movie that question that what really matters in life? and it, it's quite refreshing to see young people consider this throughout the film.
0: Uh, Sam, I've got a final question for you before I before I get there. What did you make of it though? Because clearly this film isn't directed at mm. you or me or Mark. Like mm. we're not the the key audience members. So how did you how do you think it's going to go with them? And what what's it like as a film?
2: Yeah, I think it is really targeted at younger a younger audience, familiar with the show, but also more a feminine audience. I was in a media screening with all women. I was the only man there. Represent. I know, but there is still there well, is you still
1: wearing your yellow Power Rangers. I suit. wasn't
2: at the time. <laughs> no. um, but it is. It's beautifully shot. It's been directed by Jeffrey Walker, who was once Bronson on Round the Twist. Right. And he's gone on to direct uh, episodes of Modern Family Overseas. So he's an Australian guy and just, it's a beautiful film to watch. It's been shot so nicely. And even though I guess it probably hasn't got the greatest budget in the world,
0: Uh, It's just really beautiful to look at, the whole thing. And I became really engaged in the story. Here's my final question for you, though. You mentioned the cast. They're fairly good actors and dancers. So does Dance Academy actually dive into sort of a celebration of the human body and what it's capable of? Is that also what Dance Academy is about?
2: You'll watch it and you'll feel so unfit because these dancers are so (laughs) well trained. They have to watch what they're eating, how they spend their time. And they just work day after day to pursue this dream of dancing on stage with the best around the world. And these actors are doing that. They don't have doubles. It's actually them dancing and acting and doing a pretty good job of it. And so I kind of saw this as a bit of a celebration of the human body in some ways because it shows that, us, I mean, not me, or maybe you and I, because we've just been, you maybe know, Mark.
1: No, we not ate a the lot of, of cake us. last week on the show, there's so actually, kind There's of... actually still some cake left if anybody wants. <laughs> After
0: the 100 episode happy birthday like celebration, yeah.
1: a week later, and it's still in the studio. So, yeah.
2: you know, I think you know, it, it showed me that I couldn't pursue that dream, but, um, but also in the same way, it shows how good these bodies are and how how good the human body's been designed, but also how frail. We are mm. one of these dancers. I won't give away which uh, is diagnosed with leukemia, and that's kind of the catch-up story. And 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 so Tara is questioning her own body as she tries to rebuild her strength and her ability to dance again, whereas her her dancing friend can't dance because it puts his whole life at risk. So really, it does bring up some big life questions to do with humanity, how we're designed, but also the fact that we are broken. And that maybe, you know, not all of us are designed to dance, but maybe our dreams may not come to fruition.
1: Dance Academy stars Xenia Goodwin, Alicia Benite, Thomas Lacey and Miranda Otto. It's rated PG for mild themes and is in cinemas this Thursday, April 6th.
2: Coming up on The Big Picture, from Dance Academy to the School of Screen Life, who are the most... Inspiring teachers in movies and TV. And what are the top five high school moments that Mark wishes that he had lived out for real? Welcome back. Well, before the break, I was talking about Dance Academy. And behind every good student is an even better or gooder teacher. Gooder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Something we lacked here at The Big Picture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And movies and TV shows have given us stacks of top educators. Insight's managing editor Adrian Drayton went back to screen school this week for The Vault to instruct
4: us in the most inspiring teachers ever Well, I guess I want to start with TV and that would be Mr. Cotter who was played by Gabe Catlin And he's pretty much most remembered by his students. He was a pretty inspiring teacher But everybody remember Vinnie Barbarino and all those characters. Is that John Travolta? Indeed. In the TV show Welcome Back Cotter? Yes, exactly. And what else on the small screen? I can't really think of any other ones in the small screen. Maybe the algebra teacher in the Wonder Years, but I can't remember his name. Was he only in it for like five episodes? He was, and he was very inspiring. For five episodes. Fortunately, he died.
0: To move on from that terrible way to end a
4: segment on the Wonder Years, sounds like you weren't terribly inspired
0: by TV at all. But what about movies? I
4: am very inspired by teachers in the movies, and I've got a bit of a list. I'm going to rate, I'm going to grade them basically. (laughs) Grade them. So number one is Yoda, of course, being a Star Wars nerd because he's the best mentor, teacher, and he also has an added, he gets an added grade because you can stick him in your backpack and take him with you. So. <laughs> He's like the best teacher ever. <laughs> now, Adrian, most lists usually go from like lower down up, but
0: you started at the top. So I'm, so I'm interested to see how you keep inspiring us to listen in as you go further down your list. But please inspire us.
4: Well, Yoda's currently number one. Albus Dumbledore is number two. The Harry Potter franchise, you can't go back past him, really. He's the best principal ever. Why so? Just because he was inspiring and did everything for the kids in Hogwarts. You know, he let them go on holidays and do magic. <laughs> And he had a giant beard, and I think he could do magic tricks. So then there's John Keating out of Dead Poets Society, played by Robin Williams. How could any list of movie teachers not have this guy on it? Exactly. Like, his fa- favourite phrase is, seize the day. So he gets the grade for the teacher who inspires extraordinary students. My next grade is for Aaron Gruel, played by Hilary Swank in Freedom Riders, and Luann Johnson, who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. Now, they share... The inner city kids being taught about racism and respect award. Could you just say that that award again? The inner city kids being taught about res- racism and respect award. So. That's a massive mouthful at any awards night. So number five is Mr Miyagi, of course.
0: Oh, dude, how can he be at number five?
4: Well, actually, he shares the teachers who inspire their gifts and talents in their students with Professor X, Exa- Professor Xavier out of X-Men. Wow, do you think that's the first time Mr. Miyagi and Professor X have been
0: mentioned in the same awards category? I think it probably is. So, inspiring.
4: Yeah, inspiring, exactly. And then my last one is Dewey Finn, who's played by Jack Black in the School of Rock, as well as Mr. Holland, who's... Play- who's- Richard Dreyfus plays in Mr. Holland's Opus, who get the best music teacher awards. So there, that's my list of the most inspiring teachers.
0: Thanks, Adrian, for the most inspiring teachers ever. And to be further inspired, head across to insights.uca.org.au, the website that Adrian looks after. Be inspired by the Young Fanraiser of the Year. You can find out more about her at Insights. And also church leaders call on the Australian government to have a more compassionate foreign policy. You can find that and much more at insights.uca.org. It's episode 101 of The Big Picture,
2: so I think we are going to kick off another century of top fives, lads. (laughs) I hadn't thought about us being in a new century. It is. It is. And I thought we'd try something totally new for the climax of the show, my favourite part. But then we threw that idea away and we went back
0: to the old faithful, the top five. So, yeah, yes. I mean, it was a fine idea, Sam, but come on. <laughs> you love the top five. Why are you trying to get I did it? I wanted to get the top six. <laughs> fair enough. Take no, it one fair step enough. too far. Not
2: enough time in the show. Well, this week's been full of funky academies and thoughtful teachers, so we thought we'd ask Mark to relive his top five Hollywood moments he wished he'd had
1: in high school. Let's kick it right off with number five. 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 I look at Spider-Man from 2002, Tobey Maguire. He's a high school student. He's having a great time. He gets bitten by something and something good happens. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, the only thing that ever happened to me in high school I got bitten by something I got bitten by a tick and spent three days throwing up at home I mean, how come that didn't happen to you didn't even become that superhero the tick no, finally I found it swollen and bloated and buried in my armpit I mean that doesn't happen to him either he just has a, wakes up the next morning and he's got a six pack um, and, <laughs> and then I had to decide whether or not I preferred throwing up further or my father conducting experimental surgery with a pair of blunt tweezers no, he just wanders out onto the street Street and high fives, people. This. <laughs> why is my life not more like Spider-Man? Four. But then I think of Almost Famous from 1990, Okay, that Mm-mm. fantastic Cameron Crowe film about a, a kid who becomes a rock journalist. Based on
0: his own life story, Cameron Crowe. I
1: would have loved that. <laughs> that have he actually lived that dream. I would have been very happy to have become any kind of journalist at a young age. I dreamed of being whisked away on an adventure. That would be fantastic. Actually, just being whisked away from my hometown would have been enough.
0: <laughs> like, <just laughs> that sounds like another top five list for no, another top time. top five
1: waiting to happen. I'd like my mum to have gone to her, job and proclaimed my son has been kidnapped by rock stars.
0: Never happened in your childhood?
1: No, no, it's more like my son is here if someone give me a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Something more than that. 3. <laughs> How about the Breakfast Club? That is oh, a fantastic film. Fantastic film. film. My now, favorite is- film of all time. Your favorite yeah, of all time. Back up
0: a bit. Your favorite film is. of all time. Oh,
1: I
2: love it. I can watch it again and again. And well,
0: you would it- have been too? Uh, Minus two Minus two
2: When it came out
0: When it came out in 1985 Well, I'm not trying to kill off Mark's top five list But can you explain in 25 words or less Why that's your favourite film? I love the drama I love the emotion I love the teenage angst
2: I
1: love the dancing That I I think is less than 25 words That's really well That's fantastic We might review that at a later date Look, I would have loved (laughs) that All of that drama and You You would have loved to go to detention Detention? on a Saturday Which is
0: what the Breakfast Club is all about I would have loved to have been in detention I was so. What kind of childhood
1: did you have, Mark? You're just too good. good. Yeah, (laughs) I just spent the entire time. You know what I used to do when I had nothing better to do at school? I'd go pick up papers. <laughs> Voluntarily. What? I was just thinking that's something what? I could do. That looks like a field over there that needs cleaning. I would go to... See, I was so far from the breakfast club. I would love to have, <laughs> have shuffled around in an oversized
0: denim jacket looking moody are rather you- than the tie and shirt. <laughs> are you are you presently telling your boys that you that you put the breakfast club on and show it to them and say, don't live like Dad did, and instead maybe, boys, maybe rebel. rebel against the go, system a little bit sleep. more, lads?
1: Yes. Stick it to the man, boys. <laughs> This case is your mother. But still, like, do something. <laughs> no, I'd like more than that. But you know, more than that, for me, actually, you know, it takes me to the film *Dead Poets Society* from 1989. Oh, this is a brilliant film. I love *Dead Poets Society*. I would have given anything to belong to a secret society inspired by my favourite English teacher and based around poetry. So not, <laughs> just, right. So yeah. yeah.
0: Right. So not not only were you a um, a, a great student and an environmental you can crusader, say, you can say you no. You never got you like. in. Um, just I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, you were academically inclined, Mark, and particularly so inclined towards poetry. Poetry. Yeah, I had absolutely nothing going for me in school. <laughs> just, I must say, though, the weird thing is I
1: was part of a, a secret society inspired by my favourite English teacher and based around poetry.
0: What? Ha, what, what? Yeah, I know. So, I, so this list was all about the moments you wished you'd lived out, I know, but, but you actually lived out... And no. not, not Spider-Man and not some other, like, cool, like, uh, like uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or some other teen movie. No, you didn't get to live those out. You lived out Dead Poets Society. I did,
1: but it, it fits into the list because I didn't do it until I was in university. Uh, what actually <laughs> happened? I went to university in Bathurst. And there's a confession that I might actually be hauled away for on this. <laughs> but... um. We, there were a bunch of us, sort of, you know, friends found each other, uh, it kind of it, it, through the clubs and that sort of stuff. In the local Christian societies, a few through of us Through the teaching, teaching of Robin Williams? <laughs> yes, yeah, through the teaching of Robin Williams, we united. Uh, and we, we discovered that there was this abandoned church... About thirty kilometres out of Bathurst, I won't say in which direction because it's probably still there. But it was like it was covered in velvet and stuff, beautiful inside. We pried open a window, and we used to meet there once a month, uh, and in the middle of the night uh, with candles and read poetry. Like call the police. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So, so your rebellious phase involved breaking into a church and reading poetry at night. Yes. And they couldn't
1: say thing one about it. You could have been. You
2: could have been in the Breakfast Club, oh, mate. Could, not the
1: Breakfast Club, but definitely the Dead Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> one. But look, I've got to be honest. I think that actually, uh, if everyone's honest, you've got to be. You've got to hope that you know you had featured in your high school life in any of the Harry Potter films. Okay, just the idea. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, 2001. If someone had come up to me with a letter inviting me to a magical school of witchcraft and wizardry, who would have gone, No, oh, no, thanks. I'd rather just go to the local school. That's okay. I, th- uh,
0: s- no, I thought you might have had a few questions to, <laughs> no, to ask one them. or like, two. Seriously, mate? I know, really?
1: I, al- I also wish I would have had an arch nemesis who got turned into a ferret by an irate <laughs> death eater masquerading <laughs> as a teacher. Who didn't Who didn't that? daydream of that in the classroom? <laughs> Honestly, who didn't sit in the classroom and go, I wish you would Suddenly turn into a ferret. (laughs) But in all honesty, I think every high school student basically wants to wake up and be told, you're actually very special. You know, you're significant or you've got an important role to play. I think that's part of, of going through high school and asking yourself, who am I? And more importantly, am I worth anything? You know, lots of teenagers go through that sort of stuff. And the curious thing is that every high school kid in fact, everyone has the opportunity, if they listen, to actually find out they're significant. And that's one of the things I like about that Harry Potter moment when Harry finds out he's actually important. There's always room for another prince or princess in the kingdom of God, uh, just in the same way that Harry found out there was room for him at Hogwarts.
3: Excuse me, who are you?
4: Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and groans at Hogwarts. Of course you will know all about Hogwarts.
3: Sorry, no.
4: No? Blimey, Harry! Didn't you ever wonder where your mum and dad learned it all? Learn what? You're a wizard, Harry.
2: What a classic line that is.
0: You're a wizard, Ari. Uh, yeah.
2: I feel like that was that was, um, that was a bit of a confessional from
1: you today. Well, yeah. Mark. We Mark learned Hadley. a lot of things about you, Mark, yes. in
0: the course of that not, top five. Not the
1: funniest top five, but certainly the most legally actionable. I don't yeah. know. We, okay. had some, we had some laughs. Yeah, the police are on the way, Mark. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, that is all the time we have for today's edition of The Big Picture. But coming up
0: next week, more movie and TV reviews to help you navigate pop culture. Including, there is a new version, if you can believe this, gentlemen, of that 70s cop show, Chips. Yes. We're going to check that out. It's a comedy but deliberately so this time and Hollywood remake of Japanese animated classic Ghost in the Shell. We'll be talking about that next week. Um, If I'm not hauled away by the police I'll be Ben McEachan. And I'll still be Mark Hadley. See you then. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production. Sharing the light of God's word into every corner of your world.